the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. When we are worshiping, we are singing to the Lord, Jesus Christ. Worship is not to man. The audience that we sing to is not the people around us. Our audience is the Lord. That's who we're singing to. That's who we raise our hands to in worship. That's who we clap for after a song. We're not clapping for ourselves. Modern worship has certainly changed over the years. What was once simply voices and rudimentary instruments is now a fully rehearsed performance, in many cases produced by professional paid musicians. It has transformed the worship experience. Today, Pastor Dan reminds you who to focus on when you participate in worship. It's tempting to get lost in the amazing sounds and skills of the band or the story being told by the pastor. But don't forget that when you worship, you worship God above all things. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Exodus chapter 15 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. The Exodus is referred to throughout the Old Testament, over and over and over throughout the Old Testament, over 200 times. God points out and points back to Israel's Exodus from Egypt. Over and over, God is described as the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. This is the defining thing for them. This is what defines them as a people. Just as our salvation through Jesus Christ defines us and who we are now. And the Lord keeps pointing us back to our exodus from sin and the world. Now, if you're a note taker, the exodus will continue to be the defining event for the Jewish people until the kingdom age, when Jesus Christ returns. After the tribulation period, Jesus Christ returns to the earth. The Jewish people will embrace Jesus as their Messiah. Jesus, the Bible tells us, will regather the Jewish people from all over the world and bring them back to the land of Israel in the last days. And that then will become the new thing that defines the children of Israel, the new event. If you're taking notes, you can just jot down Jeremiah chapter 16, verses 14 to 15. Jeremiah 16, verses 14 to 15. I'll read them to you. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that it shall no more be said, the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt. 
But the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands where he had driven them. For I will bring them back into their land, which I gave to their fathers. There in Jeremiah, the Lord speaking, looking ahead to the kingdom age, it says it will no longer be said. They will no more say the Lord who lives, who brought the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, but the Lord who brought the children of Israel back to the land from all over the world. Speaking of the kingdom age, that will become the defining event, the final regathering of the Jewish people into the land of Israel in the kingdom age. That will become the defining event for Israel at that time. For now, it's the exodus. For now, it's God delivering Israel out of Egypt and bringing them through the Red Sea. Now, the Red Sea crossing is a picture of baptism. It's a picture of baptism. God delivered the children of Israel from bondage in Egypt, and he immediately brought them through the Red Sea. Their bondage in Egypt is a picture. It's a type of our bondage to sin before we were saved. Egypt is a picture. It's a type of the world. Jesus Christ delivered us from our bondage to sin and brought us out of the world. And after we were saved, we passed through the waters of baptism. Or you should have been baptized after you were saved. First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 2 says all of Israel was baptized into Moses. All of Israel was baptized into Moses. Well, what does that mean that they were baptized into Moses? How were they baptized into Moses? Moses was the deliverer that God sent to redeem Israel from their bondage in Egypt. The people of Israel believed that Moses was the guy that God sent to deliver them. They listened to Moses. They obeyed Moses. They followed Moses. Moses is the one who led them out of Egypt and out of their slavery. Moses spoke to Pharaoh on their behalf. Moses struck the Red Sea with his rod and the Red Sea parted. Moses led them across the Red Sea, through the Red Sea, on dry ground, and delivered them. So all of Israel was baptized into Moses. They identified with Moses as their deliverer, as their savior. In the same way, we are baptized into Christ. We identify with Jesus Christ. We believe and recognize that Jesus Christ is the deliverer that God sent to deliver us from our bondage in Egypt, from our bondage to sin, and to deliver us and call us out of the world. We listen to Jesus. We obey Jesus. We trust Jesus. We follow Jesus. And so we are baptized into Jesus In water baptism, we are identifying with Jesus and declaring our old life of sin and worldliness is behind us, and we have been delivered from it by Jesus. We've been redeemed by Jesus Christ, just as the children of Israel were redeemed out of Egypt. And that old life of slavery in Egypt is behind them. It's on the other side of the Red Sea. And so now in chapter 15, the children of Israel, they've come through the Red Sea. They're on the other side of the Red Sea now. They're free from Egypt. 
They're free from their slavery. And in chapter 15, they begin to worship the Lord for redeeming them from Egypt. When they were in Egypt, they groaned in their bondage. Now that they have been redeemed, they are singing. Redeemed people sing. Saved people sing. If you are saved, if you are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, you should be a singer. All of us should be singers. All of us should be singing as one big choir. Well, I don't like to sing all that much because I don't have a very good singing voice. Well, make a joyful noise to the Lord then. Moses is leading the congregation. Moses is the worship leader. And you remember what Moses said about his own voice and his own ability. Lord, I'm slow of speech. Lord, I I can't talk very well. Moses likely was a bad singer too. And now he's leading worship. Now he's leading the congregation, teaching them songs. Redeemed people sing. Ephesians 5 says we should speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Psalm 13 verse 6 says, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Has the Lord dealt bountifully with you? Has he blessed you? Then sing and sing to the Lord. Psalm 27, verse 6, Therefore I will offer the sacrifice of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Redeemed people are singing people. Look at verse 1 again. Verse 1, it says, Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, you can stop right there, This is the first song mentioned in the entire Bible. This is the first time we see people singing, and it's after their redemption. Redeemed people sing. They're singing after the redemption. And this is the first song in the Bible, the song of Moses. It's also the last song in the Bible. In Revelation chapter 15 Revelation 15 describes those gathered around the crystal sea in heaven in front of the throne of God. And it says they're singing the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. So apparently in heaven, people in heaven around the throne of God will sing this song of Moses as well. This is a song about God's redemption. And in heaven, we will sing about God's redemption. We'll sing the song of of Moses, so you might as well learn it now, because you're going to sing it then. And notice in verse 1, all the children of Israel sang. They were all one big choir. You're all the choir. Listen, give me your attention. You're the worship team. You're the choir. Why doesn't our church have a choir? We do. You're the choir. The choir is singing at every service. Once on Thursday, three times on Sunday. Well, I want to be part of the worship team. You are. You're just not up here. But you're part of the worship team. 
Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth radio ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. Notice also, they didn't sing for the Lord or sing about the Lord. They sang to the Lord. Worship should always be directed to the Lord. When we are worshiping, we are singing to the Lord, Jesus Christ. Worship is not to man. The audience that we sing to is not the people around us. Our audience is the Lord. That's who we're singing to. That's who we raise our hands to in worship. That's who we clap for after a song. We're not clapping for ourselves. Man, I really knocked that one out of the park. No, we're clapping because of what the words communicate about our God. Yes, that is who he is. He is holy. The song of Moses, as you're going to see as we work our way through this, it's all about God and what he has done to redeem Israel. Look at verse 1. He goes on, here's the words to the song. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. Speaking of the Egyptian army. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. He says, the Lord is my strength. Children of Israel are singing about the Lord. The Lord is my strength. There there was nothing Israel could do to redeem themselves. They were no match for the Egyptians. They were without strength. They were powerless against the Egyptian army and against Pharaoh. The Lord was their strength on their behalf. You know what it says in the New Testament about us? Romans chapter 5, verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Just like the children of Israel were utterly helpless and powerless, there was absolutely nothing they could do to free themselves from their bondage, there was nothing we could do. We were utterly helpless and powerless. There was nothing we could do to free ourselves from our bondage to sin, or to redeem ourselves. But the Lord was our strength. And that's why he's our song. Look what it says. The Lord has become my salvation. We can't save ourselves. It doesn't matter how good you are or how devoted you are. You can't save yourself. God must become our salvation. Or there is no hope of us being saved. Do you remember what the angel told Joseph about Mary and her baby? That which is conceived in Mary is of the Holy Spirit. 
and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Remember what the angel said to Joseph, for he shall save his people from their sins. That's why his name shall be Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus means Jehovah is my salvation. And here in the song of Moses, the Lord has become, Jehovah has become my salvation. We were, you were, I was dead in my trespasses and sins. We were without hope. We were slaves to our sin. We were just in the world. And the Lord has become our salvation. And so, like he says here in the song, I will praise him. I will exalt him. Verse 3, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. God is a God of love. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of grace. And God is also a man of war. When Jesus Christ comes back the second time, he will come back as a man of war. The first time he came to be a savior. The second time he's coming back as a conquering king, as a man of war. Revelation chapter 19 says, Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Jesus will come back to make war. But he doesn't make war indiscriminately just with anybody that crosses his path. The Bible tells us that that Jesus is coming back to make war with the ungodly who oppose him and who oppose his people. Jude says in the book of Jude that Jesus is coming back to execute judgment on the ungodly to judge them for all their ungodly deeds they have done and all their ungodly ways. God is a God of war. He's a man of war. And some people might say, well, I don't like the idea of God being a God of war. I don't like the idea of him drowning the Egyptian army in the Red Sea. That doesn't seem very kind or very loving to me. Well, listen, God gave Pharaoh 10 opportunities to let the children of Israel go. And they refused. He refused. And now that he has let them go, he's chasing after them with his army, defenseless people, with women and children and elderly people, to try to catch them and enslave them again. God is just. God is righteous. And here he destroys the Egyptians who are attempting to keep God's people enslaved. God is a man of war who fights for his people. Look, he goes on in the song, Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. The children of Israel sing praise to God because he defeated their enemy. Verse 6, your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. In the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. Note that they rose against you. You sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. Verse 7, you have overthrown those who rose against you. They, they don't sing, rose against us, but rose against you. Whenever God's people are persecuted, God takes that as an attack against himself. 
Remember what Jesus said to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He did not say, why are you persecuting Christians or why are you persecuting the church? But why are you persecuting me? Earlier in the book of Exodus, God described the children of Israel as his children. Egypt, under Pharaoh, rose up against God's children and brutalized his children. If you're a parent and someone is trying to harm your children or brutalize your children, you will respond to them as if they are attacking you personally. In a sense, it is an attack against you when someone attacks your kids. God does the same thing with his children when they're mistreated. Look at verse 8 again. And with the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The floods stood upright like a heap. The depths congealed in the heart of the sea. Interesting what it says here. The water stood upright like a heap. We talked about this last time. A wall of water on each side of the children of Israel, maybe hundreds of feet tall as they pass through the Red Sea. He says the depths congealed. The word congealed means to thicken or to become dense or firm. The word is used for the curdling of milk. And so the water became dense and firm like jello or cottage cheese or or something. I don't know. I'm sure there was some kid that went over and poked it just to see. It's like cottage cheese, mom. And I don't even know what cottage cheese is. It hasn't been invented yet, but when they invent it, it's going to be like this. I don't know if this means, but I wonder, does it mean that the seawater, you know, as they were walking through, were they not even sprayed by the water? I mean, it says they walked through on dry ground. Elsewhere in the Psalms, it says it was like a desert that they walked on. I mean, are they coming out of this and they don't even have dampness on their clothes? I don't know. I hope there's a video in heaven of this. Now, verse 9. The enemy said, I will pursue And this is crazy to me. You know, if you're the Egyptian army, you're just a soldier in the Egyptian army, and you see the water split, and there's these, you know, 200-foot-tall walls of water, I'm going home. You know, I'm out. This is the end of the line for me. I will pursue. You know, and you think about Pharaoh, and Pharaoh has hardened his heart to the point now where he's just making self-destructive decisions. His heart is so hard. That's what people do. I will pursue. I will overtake them. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword. And then you blew with your wind and the sea covered them. And they sank like lead in the mighty waters. And we talked about this last time, but there is no way this is describing some kind of shallow lake Or a marsh. If you weren't here last time, you can go back and listen to chapter 14. But this is the Red Sea, the Gulf of Aqaba, where this takes place. So verse 11. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? 
who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. Who is like you, O Lord? There's, there's no God like our God. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring sure than the finest crystal. With everything you could have listened to today, we're honored you chose Ring of Truth. Whether it's your first time or your hundredth time listening, we know that the Word of God brought a fresh perspective to your corner of the world. Did your faith grow with this message, or did it leave you with questions? If you find yourself with questions, please go to calvaryec.com to contact us so we can answer those questions. You can easily and securely fill out the form found under the Question tab. Columbia, Maryland is home base for Ring of Truth episodes, and we want you in our community. So if you're close, let's meet face-to-face. Sunday service times, along with midweek service times, are available on our website, calvaryec.com. Make sure to mark your calendar to come. For those of you too far away, don't be discouraged. Use our live stream to still be a part of our family. Don't leave our website without looking at the other resources we have provided to strengthen your relationship with Jesus. Before our time is up, would you consider financially donating to this ministry? There are so many more lives to touch for Christ, but we can't do it alone. If you felt a tug at your heart to support us in this way, information can be found on our website, calvaryec.com. Come again for the next edition of Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and am what I know because I know His voice and it only takes General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.